Welcome to Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast, a podcast intended not just for parents or caregivers, but individuals seeking guidance around challenging behaviors or recurring and negative patterns in your life. Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast aims to have you asking, who am I parenting here, my child or myself? This podcast has a vision of you, the adult, stumbling upon a new relationship with the child you once were. Parenting is no easy task, but it doesn't have to be a burden. We are happy you are here. Welcome back. This is Julie and this is episode 15 of my podcast, Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast. Today I have a guest social worker, licensed clinical social worker, Amanda Jeldon from Norwich, Connecticut. And Amanda is going to share with us today how she got into the profession, the helping profession, and provide a candid conversation about her experience I hope that this normalizes for those of you listening, our conversation normalizes for those of you who are curious about therapy, who maybe have ideas about therapists and what it is or how they conduct the work that they do. So she speaks a little bit about the the process and some of her ways of helping clients. We talk about a quote that really resonated with Amanda, when you get a When you get to a place where you understand that love and belonging, your worthiness is a birthright and not something you have to earn, anything is possible. And I was really curious why that resonated with Amanda. And so she shares a little bit about that. She is also an EMDR therapist. And we throw those acronyms around as therapists all the time. But I thought it was a good opportunity while I was chatting with a therapist who was trained in in this style EMDR. It stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Processing. I thought it was a good opportunity for you all to hear what an EMDR specific session looks like or what you can expect. And so she talks about the bilateral stimulation, that process of left right brain uh, bringing down emotional reaction to memories. It is known, EMDR is known as a trauma therapy. And so if you've ever heard of that, if you've been curious about that, if it was ever recommended or suggested to you, uh, listen up and Amanda can explain a little bit more and hopefully you'll understand a bit more. So Amanda's website is amandageldon.com and that's A-M-A-N-D-A-J-E-L-D-E-N.com. And you can find out more information about her and her practice there. And let's just get started. Enjoy. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for joining me on Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. And uh, you're hailing from Connecticut, USA, and I reside and practice in Ontario, Canada. So uh, I'm excited about that. I love connecting with other therapists wherever they are. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty fun to be able to talk to someone in like such a different Mm -hmm. uh, location. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and I realized that when I started listening to some podcasts and accessing some forums online that that were mental health based, I realized that we're in different places, but we're speaking the same language. Yeah, for sure. I honestly didn't even realize that you were um, in Ontario until I looked at your website. So, you know, I just kind of assumed <laughs> that we're all, I mean, I think we're all kind of in the same, um, you know, zone for sure, regardless of our distance. Yeah, it's just a common, there's a common language and yeah. there really isn't any barriers when it comes to uh, being a mental health clinician because our training is so similar, whether it's from the U.S. or Canada or wherever. And our um, our main goals is to help and, and benefit people through the struggles that they have in their day-to-day life, isn't it? Yes. And I think it gives us all kind of a very similar vibe, which makes it... Um... Yeah, like it has kind of like the same, we're all speaking the same language, which is very cool. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah, it is fun. So before we get started, Amanda, I wondered if you wanted to provide the listener with some information about yourself and your practice and how maybe how you got to to be a therapist. Sure. Um, So my practice, like you said, is in Connecticut. It's southeastern Connecticut. Right now it's in Norwich, but it's going to be moving to um, the town of Mystic, which I'm I'm excited about. Um, So I've been, honestly, I've been working kind of in this field for a long time. I um, really started being interested in mental health and mental health stigma when I was a senior in high school. Um, My dad actually worked at um, this organization that worked with, um, people that had very, like very severe mental illnesses that needed like a lot of help. And I just was really interested in this kind of this idea that we weren't that as a society, we were like, just not really accepting, um, Mm -hmm. people that had a diagnosis. Um, so Mm -hmm. I've, I've been interested in, kind of this field for a really long time. Um, I worked at that same organization pretty much like while, while I was in college. Um, Hmm. but I always knew I wanted to be a therapist. Uh, that's so cool. At such a young age. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think like, I think my dad really loved his work too, and that can be really contagious. Um, Mm -hmm. so I like, you know, it just made me really, um, love this field too. So and also mm-hmm. I just, you know, I just, uh, I'm just really interested. I love hearing people's stories and what's going on. I love I watching know. people grow. Um, mm-hmm. I love people watching people overcome, you know, um, mm-hmm. whatever's going on that, that they kind of feel like is stopping them from reaching their full potential. So mm-hmm. it's, for me, it's a really, really fun place to be. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah. And like, I, I just, I worked at a community, um, community health center. I don't know if you guys, do you guys have those in Canada? Well, we have, uh, we definitely have like community health centers. We have something called family health teams. That is what I sort of envision as a community health center. So you'd have like a big interdisciplinary of medical doctors. It's not just mental health, um, but we definitely have mental health only community health centers. 
Okay. So yeah, it was, um, so yeah, it was kind of, it was like that where it had, we had, um, like a doctor's office, you know, doctor's offices and dentist offices and some case management and also, um, mental health, um, services. So that was, so I did that for a while. Um, and I just kind of knew I wanted to be a therapist and do this on my own. And, uh, so I've been doing that on my own for about a year. Um, and it's been really fun. I really love it. Yeah. There's some flexibility there when you work on your own. A lot more flexibility. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So maybe not some, but a lot more. Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, yeah, Amanda, I I wanted to ask you, there's so much passion that comes through and, and, and I love that your dad was contagious and you really gravitated and resonated with that. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because I, and you may hear this sometimes too, is, and it, it isn't just kids and it's not, uh, it's not just kids asking, but they'll say, you know, you only talk to me because you get paid mm. to do this. Do people say that to you? Um, They'll say things like, oh, like I have a few people that will kind of say, oh, I can't believe you have to listen to people all day or kind of like assuming that they're bothering me by telling, like by talking to me, Um, Mm -hmm. which it, then it's really hard for me to figure out. I haven't quite figured out the right response yet because how do you say, no, I love listening to your problems, you know, like (laughs) that doesn't sound very nice either, but it, but it is true. Mm -hmm. I, I genuinely, not because I love to see people suffering, but I, I just, I just know how cathartic it can be to be able mm-hmm. to talk about it. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. really genuinely interested in um, just kind of like hearing, hearing what's going on, hearing how people are handling it, problem solving. Okay. How can we maybe handle this a little bit differently? Um, hearing people like being able to hear when they really are able to like, do something that they're really proud of like that's always really exciting to kind of when it's Mm -hmm. like okay you've been doing the same thing and now you're doing it a little bit differently and that feels really great like that's that's just a very exciting thing to be Mm -hmm. a part of um or even not even like just to witness you know so Mm -hmm. so yeah that can sometimes be a difficult um thing to explain to people (laughs) um well, and it's interesting because, and I've, I've had, I worked in inpatient mental health in a pediatric hospital and we would hear that all the time. I mean, yeah. the kids were at their worst there and it's almost like when that question's being asked, I see it as, okay, I'm starting to warm up to the idea mm. of this. And when I think about the fact that in all the other relationships in my life, they're not someone that I have to pay to talk to me. It just, for me, it speaks to, okay, we've, we're starting to develop that therapeutic relationship. And for some people it's a theory. Right. Yeah. So I feel like I'm getting off on a bit of a tangent, but to come back to like that passion and that, um, that contagious, you know, loving our jobs aspect and, you know, you're over in Connecticut, I'm up in Ontario and we speak the same language. There's such, there's so much fascination knowing that there is an intervention. There is something over here that works that can help people with their suffering or their, um, 
you know, their bad habits or their unhappiness. And it really just mm. is uh, something that, and, and how I respond is kind of, it's interesting because some of the things you said, I was like, oh yeah, those are some, some of the ways that I respond. And it's just that I don't do this work for the money. I do this work because I enjoy and I love helping mm-hmm. people. And like you said, love seeing their growth, seeing their pride in themselves grow and being able to empower people to make the right and best choices for them to live their optimal yeah. potential. Yeah. It's a very rewarding job in that way. Very rewarding. Yeah. yeah. That's I think why we do the job, you know, right. it's, yeah, everyone does a job to get paid. We can't deny that fact, but at the end of the day, there's so much reward in being able to sit in a sacred space with another human and create that safeness that allows them to pour out those aspects of them that, you know, maybe there's some shame or maybe there's some guilt or, you know, all these different emotions that we see and that come up. But truly at the end of the day to be able to be a part of some kind of recovery or some Mm -hmm. help or relief of stress for them is very, very rewarding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. So you have on your website a quote from Brene Brown, Mm -hmm. which I love. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, who doesn't love Brene Brown? And I will um, link to Brene Brown in the show notes just for those of you who may be listening who aren't familiar with her. I think her, was her TED Talk called The Power of Vulnerability? Something like that. I was actually just listening to um, a podcast with her and Oprah, and she was just talking Mm -hmm. about that. Um, that TED talk. So I should remember the name of it, but I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. Something tells me it's called the power of uh, vulnerability and I just love it. Yeah. Yeah, So anything Brene Brown does or says or touches is (laughs) something I like to have in my back pocket, but specifically the quote on your website reads, when you get to a place where you understand that love and belonging, your worthiness is a birthright and not something you have to earn anything as possible. Yeah. What resonated with you as a therapist with that quote? Um, I think, well, I think that quote resonated with me both personally and as a therapist. Um, I realized kind of like, as I do my own work for myself, it really, mm-hmm. um, then I make a lot of connections and kind of like how I want to be as a therapist. Right. So like mm-hmm. I was just, um, really spending a lot of time thinking about how we tend to kind of attribute our unhappiness to the external, right? Like we, um, like, you know, we're not successful enough or we don't, um, maybe we got passed up on a promotion and that means something about us or we don't have enough friends or we don't like the way our bodies look or all of these kind of external things we kind of then translate into that's why I'm not happy um Mm -hmm. and just kind of I think a lot of the work I do as a therapist um is trying to help people realize and work on their internal stuff and realizing like, and Mm -hmm. working on how, when we kind of are, are fixing, not fixing, but growing the internal stuff, the external stuff just kind of starts to either fall into place as it's supposed to, or Mm -hmm. just not matter as much. 
Um, and this quote really spoke to me about that, about, you know, when you start to just feel worthy as you are, not because of um, anything that you've done or anything going on around mm-hmm. you, um, you know, you, like it says, anything is possible. Um, but also I think like, it's just, it's so much easier to be happy when you yeah. are able to internalize that idea when you're able to really, really feel, um, you know, I'm, I'm worthwhile because I'm alive and because I'm a human, not because I did Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z or someone said X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, I sit here with a huge smile on my face and, um, because when I connect with other therapists, they're, um, as we just talked about, I talk about the external all the time. Oh, (laughs) really? all the time. <laughs> yeah. And I always think, oh, if a client that I've worked with listens to this podcast, they'll be like, hey, she talked to me about that <laughs> right. because it, it's so foundational. Yeah. Like it's foundational to the internal work. Yeah. And like you said, it, it actually is easier. And we know just through, you know, neurodevelopment and brain research that it's easier because our nervous system is more settled. Mm. And to help people get to that place, maybe that is unfamiliar to them or that, you know, maybe got lost or bogged down over many years of treated unwell at work or, Mm. you know, having toxic friends or those kinds of things, but bringing them, I always say it's like super basic, but very complicated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, super basic in the sense like you're you, you're with you all the time. Like you have these tools, but it's complicated because of life and because of the external things. And so, yeah, we're unhappy because the external things, we don't have control over that stuff. Right, right. And I think we're also really socialized to believe that that stuff is so, so important. You know, like we're, we're... we're taught really young to be competitive and to achieve and to, you know, um, you know, get, get the grades, get the next thing. Um, and I don't think that we're socialized enough to, to kind of just be happy with who we are, um, Mm -hmm. regardless of our kind of external achievements. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think it does, it takes a lot of like kind of mindset shifting to, Mm-hmm. realize that that stuff although it it's like it's still nice to achieve and succeed it's sure. not the most important thing it's not then going to make yeah. you happy you have to be happy and then um you know and and then go after things because you want them not because you need them in order to mm-hmm. you know fulfill mm-hmm. ex, you know whatever so reversing Reversing the priority from, yeah, we're not saying, you know, don't work towards goals, don't have goals, don't try and achieve goals. It's about not, like you said, not needing to have those things to identify you for being you, but yeah. Yeah. And the mindset shifting. I liked that. Yeah. I've been, um, I've been also reading, I, what, what book was it? I was reading, I've just been reading this book called um I think it's just called mindsets um Mm. about different mindsets and how they're um and how you know we get we kind of get 
get taught one mindset that's actually not very good for us. Um, and the mindsets that are very good for us, like, I really like a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, you know, um, Mm -hmm. things like that. It's really, that sounds like a good book. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. And as you're talking, it's interesting because you had that quote on your website that I read and I was like, oh, I love this. I hadn't read that before. And it fits so well with the topic for my podcast. And I'm realizing as we're talking too, I want to share with you one of my favorite quotes um, by Dr. Wayne. Yeah. By Dr. Wayne Dwyer. And it's, uh, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. I love that. Right. Like talk about mindset shifting. So, and you also mentioned earlier as the quote from Brene Brown resonating with you both personally and professionally and doing your own work. We as therapists, yeah, we as therapists, we do do our own work. And I tell my clients that all the time, like to normalize, like I'm not up here and you're down here. Like I'm a human too. And to be a good therapist and to be the best person that I can be doing that mind shifting in terms of like everyday events. So you're confronted with a situation or a scenario. And in that moment, learning to take a pause. Yeah. And realizing what comes up intuitively or naturally recurring pattern or a maladaptive way of thinking But in allowing yourself, recognizing firstly, but allowing yourself to take that pause, you can shift the way of thinking into something else that is more that internalized, what is it that I'm gravitating towards in this scenario? Why is this really uncomfortable feeling coming up for me when this person's talking Mm. to me? Or, you know, rather than that, oh, that person was so rude. And yeah, when we, when we're, yeah, when we're curious about ourselves and we look to the internal, then uh, the way that we look at things, the scenario, the situation, it changes. Yeah. And I think sometimes I think that is um, kind of what, going to therapy boils down to is just starting to ask yourself why like why why am I feeling this way why am I thinking this way um because we do we get so stuck in these patterns um and we just run with these patterns we don't even stop to ask ourselves why are we reacting Mm -hmm. this way and you know I, I think therapy is just such a great opportunity to take a pause um first as therapists, we kind of like help people start to do it, you know, by being like, Oh, I wonder Mm -hmm. why, why you reacted that way. And then people get to be able to start to do it for themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I mean, that's like, that's, I think what another reason I wanted to go into therapy is because I saw a therapist when I was 18 and it was just so, um, it was, it was just such a game changer for me because it really did make me have to stop mm-hmm. and ask myself, oh, why am I thinking that way? Or why do I feel that way? Is this mm-hmm. true? Is this real? Um, or is this just kind of an automatic thing that's popping up for me? Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, th- I, I completely agree. It's such a, um, we really have to do our own work in order to um, help other people because like, it just, mm-hmm. it's just a lot easier to see how people um, like what, what's helpful if you haven't even tried to figure out what's helpful for yourself. 
Yeah. And at the end of the day, I'm human too. Right. <laughs> we're all humans. We're and, all yeah, so figure it out. <laughs> you know, we're all just trying to figure this out and you know, we have to know more, especially we have to know what our triggers are as humans that being and containing that safe space. And so, you know, we're held to a higher standard because of the work. It's important mm. for people to know that, you know, because there is a process to all of this and it's, uh, you know, it's important for people to know too, that, uh, I basically, my job is to work myself out of a job mm -hmm. and I can't, I can't keep you or continue to book appointments with you if I don't feel like things are moving or shifting because mm -hmm. that's unethical. You know, it's for that person that thinks, oh, you're just doing this because you get paid. Well, I need to clarify for you that no, in fact, I don't do it just because I get paid. I'm passionate about it, but I also can't just continue to book appointments with you just to get right. paid. That's, we're not allowed to do that. And, and that's not what this is about. And um, so helping people to understand that, uh, you know, we are held to a very high standard mm -hmm. and, and uh, confidentiality is another huge piece mm -hmm. to that, which uh, is, a, is a big topic. But um, I, I wanted to touch on something if we could just switch gears a little bit, uh, or maybe a <laughs> lot. <laughs> uh, there are different mo modalities and different therapy styles that we're trained in that we're exposed to in our training that we choose to do. Mm -hmm. One of the ones that I noticed that you do is EMDR, short term EMDR therapy, you do also uh, cognitive behavioral therapy as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wondered if you could, I don't have the, uh, training in EMDR, but I do do trauma mm -hmm. work. I, uh, so I'm very familiar with it. And so I'm curious if you could maybe let us know what EMDR stands for. And if you could chat a little bit about that work that you do in your practice. Absolutely. So, um, EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Um, I always tell like all of my clients that um, you don't have to remember that it's because it's, it sounds, makes it sound super complicated. Um, yeah. But, but the reason it stands for that is because there's like a, a really simple way to explain it and then a really complicated way to explain it. So <laughs> I'm going to start with the simple way. Um, the simple sure. way is just, it, it's a, it's a type of therapy that, um, that will bring down your emotional reaction to a memory. So we have um, these memory networks and when something traumatizing has happened, either a big trauma or a small trauma um, or a bunch of small traumas, we kind of carry that in our bodies. Um, we, we carry that. If we haven't processed it properly the first time, whenever anything triggers that memory network, it just, it's going to give us all of these feelings. Um, you know, so for example, if something scary happened in a crowd, you know, when you go to, when you go in a crowd, um, you're going to feel really anxious and you're not going to really maybe know why you might attribute it to other things, but it's actually that, that scary situation that happened so long ago. So the idea of EMDR is to go through that memory again and really bring down that emotional reactivity. So that way, when you're in a crowd again, you're not going to feel as anxious um, because the, mm -hmm. the kind of the original source of that um, has been processed the right way. Mm -hmm. So 
the way that the name eye movement desensitization and reprocessing came about is they the the way this was discovered was the founder was and I'm probably going to butcher this story because this is from memory. But the founder was <laughs> walking okay. and she noticed she was thinking about something that was really bothering her. And her eyes just kind of naturally were going left to right, left to right while she was walking. And she noticed that mm. um, when she was done, it just didn't bother her anymore. So that just kind of started this journey um, onto like what happens when we stimulate both sides of the brain in a left to right, left to right, left to right way, um, which is called bilateral stimulation um, Mm -hmm. while thinking about, um, uh, you know, a bothersome memory. Um, Mm -hmm. And she found there's a bunch of research on it that it brings down the kind of emotion that's attached to that memory. So if the emotion is anxiety or the emotion is loneliness, or the emotion is um, fear, you know, by, by combining that movement with the um, memory, it just kind of deflates it almost. So that's, that honestly is my favorite kind of work. um, Because I can, I see the results pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. you know, People mm-hmm. that I work with see the results pretty quickly. Um, and it's just, uh, it's like people disca- describe it sometimes as almost being surgical, where like you're really mm-hmm. going in to the memory that's causing a lot of life disruptions. And you're just like very precisely. Um, kind of, uh, well, desensitizing it, which is where the desensitization and reprocessing uh, comes from. Because reprocessing is like once you've desensitized the memory, once, um, once the emotion has kind of deflated, you're able to look at that same situation in a whole new light and a whole and a better, more um, kind of like a calmer, a calmer place. place and a more productive place, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like um, a less, you know, panicky place. You have mm-hmm. whole new insights when there aren't really big emotions attached to a memory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And it's when you talked about the movement piece, you in your practice, what would that look like in your practice? So um, the way it started is having people follow your hand to go and you're going to kind of, you kind of sweep your hand left to right um, in a Mm -hmm. way that um, kind of has their eyes go left to right um, in this very, like it's this very rhythmic motion. Um, Mm -hmm. I use tappers, which um, work like just as good. Everyone's got different preferences with what they want. Um, Some people kind Mm -hmm. of like to look back and forth. Some people are more Mm -hmm. tactile and like to hold on to the tappers. I also do some, um, I have headphones too, if people are more audio. So it will like, so with the tappers, it's like a little vibration and it buzzes back and forth. 
people hold them in their, in their mm-hmm. hands. So it like kind of buzzes left to right, left to right. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, for whatever reason, by stimulating both parts of the brain. And when I say whatever reason, yeah, there is research. I just, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, it is, it is an evidence-based research right. um, or evidence-based therapy modality. It is definitely something that is often prescribed yeah. by doctors and by those who have suffered different types of trauma. And I do have some earlier episodes of trauma and a description of the so-called big T yes. trauma and the little T trauma and Um, So I encourage listeners to go back and listen to those if, because it's one of those things that it's classic and I can't even say that I didn't think this as well because I certainly did. But when we hear that word trauma or, um, you know, EMDR is an evidence-based therapy specific for trauma, we often will go, well, I haven't suffered any trauma in my life. And we go to that catastrophic, you know, house burned down or a terrible motor vehicle accident or plane crash. But like you said earlier, it could be a bunch of small traumas compiled, yeah, into a big ball of stress Mm -hmm. and working from, And what is traumatic to me is going to be different than what's traumatic to you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, if it's all about kind of, um, how, we felt in that situation and how we, if we felt, um, empowered or we felt, um, worthless or, you know, if, if it, mm-hmm. it could be something that to one person is, is super benign, but to another person, it just completely changed the way they believe about themselves. And I think that's connecting, um, connecting that quote by Brene Brown and EMDR, one of the really, one of my favorite things about EMDR is it's really about work in changing your belief about yourself. Um, because we oftentimes as kids were given beliefs that we didn't choose. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, so by doing this work, we're, we're able to be able to realize like, Oh man, I just feel really worthless okay, so where does that come from? And we really go back Mm -hmm. to like the first time um, you felt that way Mm -hmm. and desensitize that and be able to really change Mm -hmm. that belief of like, oh no, I'm I'm not worthless. I'm actually, you know, I'm a human. I'm worth, you know, I, I belong and I'm, you know, I'm important. Um, So it's, it's this, it's really cool, deep work that can be very much, um, a game changer in how we look at ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is so interesting because that's where uh, something like attachment theory comes into play and understanding those early caregiver relationships and how they've developed the templates for future relationships, for example, including with ourselves. For sure. And yeah. And how if we're learning to do things based on what we've been told to do or believe in certain things that maybe aren't resonating with us at the core, but because we're being told to do that, that's what we're going to believe. So therefore we're overriding that sense of who we are or who that budding personality is in Mm -hmm. us. And then oftentimes into adulthood, realizing that those are, 
you know, those qualities are no longer serving me. And these are the reasons why, you know, lots of unhappiness, dysfunction, toxicity, illness, all of those things. And so, yeah, I could see how, like you're saying, EMDR really serves to bring that connection back essentially to that internal work and creating a safe space that, yeah, there was this little piece of me, but it got lost and oh, here it is again. Absolutely. And it can be, I I think EMDR can be really tough work because making those shifts of like changing your beliefs about yourself are huge. And it's, it can be really scary to um, Mm -hmm. have this belief about yourself that, um, that you've just been, that's been a part of you for so long and you might not Mm -hmm. have liked, but it's still been there. The idea of kind of letting Mm -hmm. go and seeing what happens when that, um, when you release that belief about yourself is, um, Mm -hmm. can be really scary, but I, but also can be like, it's, is, um, is hugely, hugely, uh, transformative and, with EMDR, we're kind of going back into these younger parts of ourselves that were really hurt and maybe got stuck on like a record player that keeps skipping. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and those parts Mm -hmm. of ourselves Mm -hmm. don't really get to grow because they're just kind of in survival Mm -hmm. mode. And by doing EMDR, Mm -hmm. we get to kind of like, and I'm sure with, with other trauma work too, this is just, this is the the one I know. um, We get to kind of unstick that record and to see people's like those parts of people really um, then get to grow, like is super, super cool. And so I wondered too, you also do CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy. And so how is it that you, or do you distinguish between the two or is it a natural unfolding within the therapy process with the particular Mm. client and their unique circumstances? Is it a conscious decision? How does that work? I think when I do talk therapy is when I do more CBT stuff. So, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes of course people aren't, aren't going to be interested in EMDR. um, And so they want to do talk therapy. And that's, I think when I use CBT the most, um, because it's all connecting, you know, what are your thoughts? How are they impacting your feelings? How Mm -hmm. is all of that impacting your behaviors? How does your behaviors impact your thoughts and feelings? You know, that whole, that triangle, that's all feeding into each other. Um, So that's when I use CBT the most. Um, I think EMDR is a, it was a really great blend of a lot of different modalities. Uh, So I Mm -hmm. think, CBT is, is definitely in there a bit. Um, mm-hmm. but I think I mostly use it when I'm doing talk therapy and just kind of like when we're trying to make connections between, mm-hmm. you know, how we're acting and feeling and thinking. Yeah. It's a big one. It's like, oh, they didn't say that, but I know they said right. that. <laughs> right. Like, no, actually reading. you don't know. They say, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm noticing that we're getting towards the end of our time today. And I wondered, Amanda, if you could share with everyone how people can get a hold of you, learn more about your practice. Yeah. Um, first of all, I just want to say that time really flew by for me. So um, <laughs> I didn't even realize that. So 
Yes, my people can contact me at my website, um, amandajeldon.com. I've got um, okay. a blog on there. I've got some information about my services. Um, I I also am on Instagram at Amanda Jeldon mm-hmm. LCSW. Um, but I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm not as active on that as I would like to be. Um, but maybe someday it's a goal of mine. Um, <laughs> I see your blog though. And, and you had, you released, uh, one entitled emotional self-care just the other well yesterday, I guess. Yeah. And it looks really great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah I've been, yeah. I, you know, and I really try to use my blog to, um, just expand on these ideas that I think, would be really helpful for people, but I don't want to spend the session me talking, you know, that's not what that session Mm -hmm. is for. The session is for the other people to talk, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a nice resource for, um, my clients or anyone to just kind of get an idea Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, uh, it's kind of, I, I kind of think of it as like a therapy, um, uh, like adjunct like an ex- like an extension yeah. yeah an extension of your yeah and that's the same way i i sort of think of this podcast you know because there's so much rich information mm-hmm. in just us having that back and forth dialogue that i think that the average person is really interested to hear right. and to help normalize this whole process and uh right. yeah and actually just getting back to your blog post one of the things when i glanced at it was uh with respect to your topic emotional self care i absolutely loved that you put in there respect your mm-hmm. energy levels yeah that is such that is so huge for so many people isn't it it is huge um and I think it's something, again, like my, my, uh, how I, the work I do for me really translates into like the work I'm, I'm trying to do for other people too. Just realizing like everyone's got different energy and it's so easy to get really like compare yourself to other people's energy levels and, mm-hmm. um, kind of push yourself further than you need to go just because, you know because of whatever and, and kind of like, yeah, Yeah. it's so important just to be, just to either slow it down or speed it up depending on where you, where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of being okay with where you're at. Like not, not being mad at yourself for being more tired or more hyped Mm -hmm. up than you wish you were. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. Yeah. Well, that's great. So your website, I'll just spell your name out for those that are listening, amandageldon.com. So it's A-M-A-N-D-A-J-E-L-D-E-N.com. And that at some point you'll be moving from Norwich, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And when is that change happening? Um, It's going to happen, I think it's going to be official in October. Okay. So it's going to be a slow transition until then, but, um, but yeah, like officially in October. Awesome. Well, it's been really great chatting with you and thank you again for joining the podcast today. Thank you so much. This was great. Right. Okay. Take care, Amanda. Thank you for joining me today. Please remember that information provided in this podcast is not therapy and is not a substitute for receiving help from a licensed or regulated healthcare professional. 
For more information on this episode and links discussed here today, please see the show notes. Please also visit my website, which includes more resources and social media links, as well as ways of getting in touch with me at julieclarktherapy.com. 